Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to continue our series on living by faith. Living by faith. Last week we talked about what it meant for us to get into this thing by faith, that we are saved by faith. And today we're going to talk about what it means to walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 3. We don't know who the writer is, but the writer says, Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest just as he said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Lord, help us as we study. The historical background to this passage is that the Israelites are coming out of Egypt. Moses has led them. God has called them. They are coming out of their world. They are coming out of a leader of that world, a ruler of that world. They have been in bondage to that world system. They are being led by a deliverer who is hearing his instructions from God. The superimposition of that is obvious to the kind of extraction from the world's experience we, we've gone through as Christians. We were in a world that kept us in bondage to it. There is a ruler of that world who did not want us to leave. We had a deliverer come and extract us from that world in Christ. And he was taking his orders from God the Father. The superimposition is easy to get. But somehow or another, the salvation part doesn't translate into our living part. Because God doesn't just want to bring us out, he wants to bring us in. And the people of Israel just didn't get that. The folk God loved so much, he did miracles unlike he had done in the history of the world for any group of people. Those folk, God said, you're not going in my promised land. He gave them ample opportunity to respond to the perfect will he had established for them. And yet they doubted him at every juncture of challenge. Wondered whether he was still with them wondered whether he still loved him did, did not want Moses to lead them anymore tried to get a new leader to go back to Egypt they denied everything they knew about God's working his power his deliverance every time a moment came up that was challenging they forgot about the miracles God had done for them and hear me we are them this is why the writer of Hebrews says be careful fear Lest while the open door of promise remains, any one of you might come short of it. Three things I want to concentrate on today. One, we need to be people who fear. Two, we need to be people who hear. Three, we need to be people who adhere. Hold on to something. The writer of Hebrews says, let us fear. Because there was a group of people that God loved a lot. Did stuff for that he had never done stuff for. Helped him like he had not helped anybody in the history of the world. There had been very few miracles up to this point. There had been some. Sarah, who was barren, had a child at the age of 90. Miracle. 
But it wasn't one of these miracles that you could see happening. You saw the results of it, but you couldn't see it. This was the first time that anybody had seen suspended normal progress stopped, unusually so, and they were able to evidence it by their natural sight. Water turning to blood. Sun growing dark for three days. Moses pounding the ground with his staff and gnats filling the entire atmosphere as far as the eye could see. Plague on one side of the street, purity on the other. Amazing what God did for the Israelites. Yet when they got in the wilderness and they were wanting for water, Oh, God doesn't like us and we don't like you, Moses. He brought us out here to kill us, didn't he? He wants to kill us. It's his funny idea of playing a horrible game, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Bad attitude all day long. Now, I, I've amplified their response to feel much more antagonistic so that you would have a sense that they were really messed up. But remember, they are you. If I had said that about you, you'd be mad at me right now. They are you. They are me. God has done miracles for you, has he not? I, I, I'll say it again. God has done miracles for you, has he not? If you doubt it, look in the mirror. You're still here. You're still here. He has delivered you from stuff. That bus didn't hit you last week. It didn't hit you. He's delivered you from stuff you don't know you've been delivered from. He's amazing. He's amazing. And yet every juncture we come to, we have to try to figure out, I wonder if he's going to come through now. We have to redevelop our faith when all the things that he has done in the past are intended to be the foundation for the next experience. The Israelites didn't get that. And so the writer says to the Hebrews living today who had received Christ, he says, be careful. These fellas didn't get it. Don't you be like them. Let us fear. Now when he says fear, he's not talking about cower, to tremble. Although I must say, that kind of response would be better than arrogance. Any response that acknowledges his power and greatness is better than none. So if it goes that direction, I ain't mad at somebody. I'm going to teach them a little bit better so they understand that that's not the proper response, but it's better than the other one they used to have, which was ignorance, defiance, and arrogance. But that's not what God is referring to here. He's not talking about cower. He's talking about reverence. A deep reverence. Let us revere him. Let us honor him. Let us respect him. Lest while this promise remains, this window of opportunity to do his will closes and then we find ourselves having fallen short. You know there's a purpose for which God has placed you on the planet. You've got something unique to do for him. There's nobody like you. Unique fingerprint, unique parents, unique mindset, unique experiences, unique personality, your thought process. He's made you wonderfully. Some of your wiring needs to be rewired because the enemy has configured some things in your life by way of experience and genetics that bend you the wrong way from God. And so the Lord has to come and change your heart and begin to help you think right. And, and reorient you so that you process information well. That life begins to, to flow the way it should. But you are wonderfully made. Unique. 
And it's important that you understand that there's something you are to do. That's why he placed you here. That's why he left you here after you got saved. Is that you are supposed to do something great while you are here. And every bit of this passage deals with life here. I realize that there may be some application to this talking about glory. Entering the ultimate rest. Now, that's what most people want. What is the, the most uh, used epitaph? Uh, placed on a, a, a headstone rest in peace no more do they have to work uh, we understand there's a glory that comes from the eternal resting place I got that but that's not what, what, what the writer of Hebrews is referring to here he's saying while you're here let's make something happen let's make sure we don't fall short while you are here the Israelites missed it they didn't get in the promised land they, they saw all the miracles and then there were ten done, in, ten done in the wilderness. And they missed all of those. God gave them ten opportunities to come to an understanding of faith. And, and once they, they closed the door, when they went into the promised land, meaning that they sent spies and they spied it out and came back with an evil report, God said, you're done. I tried. I really worked with you the best I could. But I'm done. You're not going in. I'm not going to kill you now, but you're just going down the wilderness. And until the last person who came out of Egypt, who was 20 years old or older, dies, you will not go in. Save Joshua and Caleb. Because they came back with a great report from the promised land. Even though they saw giants, they did not come back in fear. They said, our God is able. Our God is able. But the rest of the folk died in the wilderness. And that included Moses and that Moses blew it later. Oh, I do not want that for me here. I want to enter into my land of promise. I want to figure out what my land of promises looks like and enjoy it. I don't want to just step my foot on the other side and then breathe my last. I want to be there to, 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 to eat of the abundance of this place that God wants to bring us while we're here. Now that doesn't mean that everything about our life is positioned so that we can just enjoy the lap of luxury for the rest of our days. At some point we enter and life just becomes a bowl of cherries. No, no, no. It means that you enter into a place of abundance from which you can advance his cause more. You sacrifice more. You give more. The stuff you inherit as a result of him giving it to you, you now use as a good steward to advance his kingdom in the earth. That's what it looks like to come into your place of destiny. The writer of Hebrews says, there's a window. Here's a window. There's an opportunity here of coming into promise. Let's not fall short. And you need to figure out, if you don't know yet, why God placed you on the planet. And make sure that before you breathe your last, you have fulfilled it. It's said of David, I believe in Acts 13, that he fulfilled the purpose of God in his generation and breathed his last. Let that be said of you. You fulfilled it. Coming short has nothing to do with coming late. Whenever you come to the party, it's all right. It's all right. Now, you can be late, but, but there is no such thing in God as too late. Too late means you didn't make it to the party. You didn't make it. So if you made it to the party, if you got saved and you are 65 and you realize, boy, I ain't got much time left, that's all right. God can play catch up. Yes, 
Yeah, I just came through the airport in Charlotte. Charlotte's a terrible airport, by the way. It's terrible. I hate flying through there. You got to go to USA and everything goes through Charlotte. It's like purgatory of airlines. And the, you got to go. You got to walk a mile. You get from one gate. Don't, don't let your, your flight come into sea and you got to go to eat. Uh-uh. That's a mile. I'm not kidding. It's, a long, it's about 15, 20 minutes. It's worse than Dulles. But thank God for these conveyor belts. The conveyor belts, see, you get on, and, and you can walk, but you're moving faster than you're walking. You with me? And it allows you to progress faster. And this is what it's like. You can come late to the party, but God just puts you on a conveyor belt. That's all he does. Put you on a conveyor belt. And you just walk in the way you naturally walk. Hey, I'm moving faster. This is good, baby. There's never a time, if you're right with him, too late to fulfill your destiny. He has, he has the ability to understand what it means to play catch-up. And our God is so big that he can make even the mistakes and all the stuff you messed up before you get right. He can make all that work out for your good. I don't know how he does it. But he can take all the recipe that is your life that nobody wanted to eat from. And now make it a wonderful cake that everybody wants to dine at. I don't know how he does that. But that's our God. Your job is to just say yes. Yes. You don't want to come short. Every day, you need to say, Lord, while I'm here, help me. Help me. I, I, I'm late to the party. I, I, I should have done this when I was 20, when I was 15, when I was 6, when you called me in my, my mom and daddy's church. I felt it, but I just delayed. But I'm here now, so please don't let me fall short. It comes from a real fear of God that you don't want to do anything that would displease him and you want to do everything to make him happy. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It doesn't mean that you don't know anything until you fear God. It means you don't know the right stuff until you fear God. That all the information you have is not processed well enough. It's not, it's not brought through the right grid so you don't know what you should know, how you ought to know it. It's not contextualized properly. The beginning, you want, you want good knowledge. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can make great decisions. Wisdom is the ability to understand how things work and make great decisions on the basis of it. Give good answers on the basis of it. You can make great decisions when you begin to fear God because you're understanding exactly how he thinks you process information well you understand the landscape and you can apply truth as it should be applied to get the best result the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord Proverbs 14 verse 26 says anybody who fears God has strong confidence strong confidence when you fear God see you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and not fear evil Fear no evil, because you know who's with you. So you've got strong confidence as you're walking through, when everybody else is losing their mind. You have confidence because you know in whom you have believed, and he is right there with you walking through, and he is not with you to leave you there, but to bring you to the other side so you can get to some green pasture. You walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Strong confidence can be yours. 
And the benefit therein also says that when you got that strong confidence as a result of the fear of the Lord, that your children have a refuge. Verse 26 of Proverbs 14. Your children have a refuge. Children, children mess up. That's what they do. They blow it. Now, when you got little people, when you got two-year-olds, there aren't many problems that mom and dad can't fix with a two-year-old. Little people, little problems. We can fix that. But when they're big people, what do we got? Thank you. Some of that stuff we can't fix. Two-year-old, I can fix. Twenty-two-year-old, I don't know. Don't know. And I don't know whether I'm supposed to. Sometimes they just need to go through. I made, I made my, my mercy and compassion, by which I am primarily motivated, sometimes can deliver people from God. You don't want to do that? You want to make sure that the Lord is able to do everything he needs to do in the person's life. And you do not extract them from the process of discipleship. Discipline. But it says that the children gain refuge as a result of the atmosphere you build in your house. They'll mess up. They'll, they'll blow it out. They'll do something stupid. But see, there's something in the back of their mind they just can't get away from. There's, an, an imp, there's a spiritually imprinted DNA pattern that says, when all else fails, I know my parents have created an atmosphere into which I can run. You want that. And not just when they're in trouble. You, you want it when they have done right and the enemy has begun to attack. They realize exactly where they ought to go. I remember my parents did this. They prayed. They read that Bible. I didn't understand why they did it as much as they did it, but I do now. And I'm going to run to the same refuge into which they ran. That kind of strong confidence builds something of an atmosphere and, and expectancy for your children so that they have some place to go when they're in, in, in the time of need. It also says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Verse 27 of Proverbs 14. When you have the fear of the Lord in your life, there's a fountain that just continues to bubble up. It's not just a well from which you can dip and drink. It's a fountain that begins to, to water your life and everybody else around you. The fear of the Lord does that. A healthy respect for Almighty God every day that says, I want to make you happy. I'm not just trying to get by and fulfill the least amount of commandments I can to get to heaven. If another person asks me, does the Bible say anything about smoking marijuana? I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream. I'm going to scream. You want to make him happy. Happy. Bring a smile to his face. You ain't just trying to get by and see what you can get away with. Secondly, we need to hear. It says, hear and then begin to apply faith. These people did not enter because what they heard, they didn't combine with faith. Being in this room is great. I'm glad you were here on a Sunday morning. It means a lot. Pastors like people to show up when they talk. But being here has two benefits for you. One, that you get information that you need. The other is that now you have to use the information because you're accountable. What you hear, God holds you accountable for. 
and you must combine with faith that which you hear. You can't just walk out thinking, well, I've done my due. I've given God my tip this week of an hour. I've gone to church. I've listened to the pastor. I've enjoyed. I've lifted my hands. I've sung. I've greeted the saints. And now I'm going to go back to my regular living that I do Monday through Saturday. You have to say, Lord, that man talked about figuring out what your destiny is. I'm not quite sure I know what mine is. And you can't find it in a day. It takes a long time to figure out why you've been placed on the planet. But diligence and vigilance ought to be yours. And you need to figure that out. Every day you pray. Sometimes you pray and fast. You walk away saying, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dedicate myself for the next 10 years. I'm going to go ahead and do what I need to do in faithfulness to the other areas that are, are, are required of me. But I want you to know for the next 10 years, I'm going to figure out why in the world I'm here. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to miss that. So I'm going to pray and fast. I'm going to listen. I'm going to attend more seminars. I'm going to go to church more often. I'm going to go to, to small group and attend the classes. And I'm going to do what I can because I want to do your will. Jesus said, uh, the man who hears these words of mine and does not obey is like a man who built his house on sand. When, when, when the storm came and the, and the rain came down and the flood rose and the wind beat against that house, boy, it didn't stand. And great was its fall. But the man who heard these words of mine and put them into practice, he's like a man who built his house on the rock when that same storm hit and the rain came down and the flood rose and the wind beat against the house. Boy, that house was still standing. He lost some shutters. Shingles flew off, broke up the windows, but he's still able to live in it. I'm weather-worn. I've lost some stuff, but I'm still standing. Still standing. That's the way it ought to be with you. Because you need to hear and combine. These folk, they didn't combine faith with what they heard, and so they were not able to enter into their ultimate land of promise. We have to hear well and do well. And then lastly, we need to add here. It says that the faith these people began to exert it allowed them to enter into the rest. They believed, meaning us now, not the Israelites, the people to whom uh, the writer is writing, they believed and they entered into his rest. The Israelites, it says, and he swore that they would not enter into his rest, even though from the time he said, I, 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 seven, seven day and he rested from his labor, he's been resting since. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying they couldn't find his rest even though that's all he's been doing. They couldn't find it. But we can enter in. Now here's a beautiful lesson about what it means to enter into his rest fully. We have to do it by faith. He says because we believe we enter into this rest. We believe we enter into the rest. Now I'm going to use rest in two, two ways. One, we need to enter into the part of God into which we've not yet come, the rest of God. And we need to enter into his rest. So you need to find, find the parts, the aspects of God that you have not yet hold, held on to. Haven't yet grasped. Need to find that. I'm finding God in places I didn't know he was. I'm, I'm continuing to say, God, I didn't. God, that's not where I wanted you to be. I didn't even want him to be there. I wanted him to be someplace else. And he keeps surprising me with where he is. And so I'm saying, okay, I'm learning more about you all the time. 
And I'm entering into rest because confusing circumstances come to me, bombard my mind and say, that doesn't fit in the idea about how I think God ought to move. That doesn't fit in my idea about what he wants to do. And when I see him moving in it, contrary to what I know to be true, I say, okay, it's time for me now to apply my faith so I can enter into rest. You didn't get that, did you? You will be in anxiety every day if you don't do that intentionally. You'll be in anxiety thinking, well, I, what could I, what if, how is this going to work out? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. Rest. Because you're living by faith. You've done everything you know how to do. You've obeyed them. And then circumstances don't turn out well. You, 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 you do what you can to move the mountains when they don't necessarily go into the sea. Some mountains we're supposed to climb. Yeah, some we're supposed to climb. And we don't know the difference because we don't know all of God. But when we've done what we can to move them by faith and they do not move, then start, start, start stepping. Start stepping. And then find him in a new way. Enter into rest. Don't become anxious. And remember, the way you got saved was not by your works. You got saved by ceasing from your labors and trusting in his. So you rested in faith. You rested in the belief that he had done everything for you. And as a result of him doing everything for you, living the way you should have lived, dying the death you should have died, now you get the privilege of living the life you're supposed to live and having eternal life that you don't have to die. All by what? By faith. All by faith. And so now what do you do when it comes to eternity? You don't fret every day of your life, wringing your hands, waking up saying, Oh, I want to go to hell. You're just resting. You, rest, you, you know you're going to heaven. That's not an issue. So it ought to be with the works that you have to do for him after you're saved in your life. You rest like that. Now, I labor really hard. Our staff works really hard. We know what it means to be diligent with the stewardship God has given us called this congregation in the community. We, 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 don't, we, we, we work well, but we still work very, very, very hard. But in our labor, we realize that our labor is not the stuff that makes anything happen. Because in, in and of ourselves, there's nothing good. The only way we can begin to labor productively is if we labor in the labors that God has destined for us, not the ones we have contrived. And our efforts in and of themselves aren't good enough to be able to accomplish anything spiritually that's going to last. So we have to ask him, Lord, empower us to do what you've already ordained us to do. So we need to be empowered to do what we're called to do and make sure we're doing the things that he's called us to do. All of it is resting from our labors. When we do that, oh, things begin to happen exponentially. Now, if anybody would have had the privilege to do what he wanted to do, it would have been Jesus. But Jesus said it like this. I don't do anything I don't see my father doing. I don't say anything I haven't heard him say. This is a man who was on cue from what the father was doing. And he was ceasing from his own labors and entering into God's. This is what it means to live by faith every day. You're saying, Lord, how can I apply my belief to this circumstance? How can I rest in your labors? Because you've already got a plan. You've already worked all this out. I just don't know it yet. You tell me what to do and I'm going to be a part of it. This is a beauty of what it means to enter into his promises. While this window remains... And not missing out, not falling short, coming into a place of living by faith daily.